while doing that. We're going to be uh, going looking at a few few verses, but we're going to be mainly depending on where God takes this. Going to be going to be in Exodus three. So if you want to open up your Bibles or on your on your phone, turn turn them, turn them on either, either way. We're going to be doing that, but we'll, we'll see where God takes this. I'm mean, about three or four different. There's about three or four different routes. That I'm still praying about, okay, God, where do, you, where do you want to take this? So we shall see. I normally do about three pages of notes, but I've got about seven here. So we won't do them all, <laughs> I promise. Unless I speak really, really fast. Before we begin, shall we, as always, show pray? So, Heavenly Father, we, we, come, we come before you and... God, we just say, would you have your way? God, we haven't come to encounter me, we've come to encounter you. God, we want to encounter you, we want to experience you, we want to have a fresh revelation of you and your spirit and of your power, of your life that you give. So God, I pray for all of us, would our hearts and minds be open to your spirit and what you want to share? God, I pray, Lord, that if there's anything that's of me, may it be totally forgotten and blown away in the wind, Lord. But, Lord, we just pray, Lord, everything that you speak this morning, may it stay in our hearts, may it resound in our hearts. Would it transform our lives? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's so good to see all of you. It, re- it really is that the... Um, the guys who are away on the hard wide weekend away, they're having a fantastic time. The competitiveness is definitely up there. And, uh, and uh, that they are, I'm sure they're going to tell you more, but they're having a fantastic, fantastic time. But today, um, this morning, I just want to share a little bit about what God, what I've just been thinking and pondering about, and the fact is that God speaks. And we're going, to be st- we're going to be starting off by, we know that, and it will, we're going to start off in, I'm just saying this for the guys at the, at the back, we're going to be just starting off with uh, Genesis, Genesis 1, which is kind of the, the obvious, obvious one, and it's going to be up on the screen. And it says, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and just the emptiness and darkness was not over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. John 1. We know it's no account. It says, in the, in the beginning, when it says beginning, it's not the beginning of time. It's the absolute. If there was a beginning, which we can't really get our heads around because there wasn't. God has always been. Even trying to get your head around that, well, how does that work? Don't ask me, ask him. God has always been. In the absolute, in the absolute of the absolute, God was. So is Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And again was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, 
and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness hasn't overcome it. In the absolute, just the bit God just being himself, with Jesus and the, and, the, and the Holy Spirit, they have divine life. And they chose, they chose to give it to you and to me and the whole of humanity as a gift. We don't deserve it. It's a gift. They gave you, God breathed into you. He knitted you together in your mother's womb and gave you life. That's his divine, eternal life. They want you to receive. And in the beginning, he speaks that out. Let there be light. And he creates, in six, in six days, he creates the heavens and the earth. It's not as if, heaven, you know, where he was, you know, he was running out of space and thought, okay, I just need to clear out, let's create something. He purposely designs the universe, the heavens, creates the angels, creates the earth, creates the plants, living creatures, creates Adam and Eve, and he breathes life into everything. And he delights. And it says it's fantastic. And he gives his gift of life to you and to me. If you even just ponder about that, it's absolutely, absolutely incredible. That the fact that he just simply speaks and what was when something wasn't there, he creates space, time, matter. Who thinks about rocks? If you're a god, how would you? What, how does your mind even come up with? I'm gonna build a rock. I'm gonna make a rock. I'm gonna make earth. And it's, it's gonna work to get. I'm gonna work, work to get. I'm gonna create plants that will suck up water through the through the roots, and the cells will transfer the water up the veins. And it's gonna go. And, and we, who comes up with that? Who comes up with? I'm gonna create. I'm gonna create people, and their skin cells are going to be naturally designed to heal themselves because our bodies aren't designed to, in the, it wasn't designed in the first place to die. Our bodies were designed to heal themselves and to be, to be able to live for a long period of time. It wasn't until the fall came then and God puts a limit and we, we know that we, we die, that our bodies, you know, our bodies, we grow older, our knees aren't as good as aren't as good as they once was. If you like me, your, your back goes every now and again, and you start walking around like John Wayne. But God speaks that out. It's phenomenal. But what I find even more phenomenal is that God chooses to then speak quite clearly and quite plainly to you and to me. Whether you hear him 
or whether you don't, or whether you think, well, he speaks to everyone else, he doesn't really speak to me. Sometimes we might feel that, but actually we know when we get into that, that's the lie. He speaks to everyone equally. He wants to speak to everyone in this room, no matter how old you are, what background you come from, just as much as the person next to you. And he's eagerly speaking to you. Sometimes, perhaps, we get a little bit distracted, we've got things on our mind, and perhaps we, if we're brutally honest, we're not listening because we're just distracted by life. But constantly, God is wanting to speak to you. And here we have Moses, or Mo for short, depending on what you want to call him. And we go, we go, we get this. So Moses, and we go. If you want to, uh, Exodus three. And we know that we know we know this. We know this. A lot of us we know the story inside out, backwards and backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And, um, but we, we, just want, we just want to ponder and have a think. And it says, Exodus 3 from verse 2, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses, to him, in a flame of fire. Out of the mist of the bush he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw, he turned aside to see. God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off. Your feet for the place. Sorry, the words jump around. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob and Moses. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Have you ever found yourself in a place where sometimes God's trying to speak to you and it's one of the most bizarre things ever? And sometimes when... For when we're in places that we're trying to communicate, sometimes we quite easily dismiss, do you know what, that's not God. That's, some, that's, that, that's something else. And because what we try and do, do is, because our minds are naturally limited and we like to have things in a nice safety box where we can sort of control, we sort of define how God can sort of like almost speak to us. And if it's outside of that perimeter then there's those, I'm not, too, I'm not too sure, and we sort of doubt. However, God can speak to you any, at any time, however he wants. However he wants, at any, t- any time, using whatever he wants, he can, speak to, he can speak to you. And that's why I encourage us this morning, is like, do we need to almost like change our expectations? Because for us, it's sometimes so easy to almost define God to our parameters 
the God I worship doesn't do that. The God I worship wouldn't allow that to happen. The God I worship wouldn't, um, wouldn't say that, wouldn't do that. That's, that's, no, that's not my God. And so we, we try and put the parameters, we try to put the parameters on how, and try and define God of how we see him and how we view him through the, for the, through the context of perhaps how we're brought up, uh, the, our family, the, the culture, um, what church background or non-church background, and all this creates a lens that we can almost like we, we see God and what other people say and, and creates this filter. And sometimes we can get a distorted view of actually who God really is. And when God tries to speak, we sort of like say, do you know what, that's, that's not really God. There's, I'm not going to mention um, their name, but there's, um, I'm trying to be careful because they had mental, they had mental health. And some of the stuff that they would, they would say, James, you know, I just, God's saying this, God's telling me to do that. And, and sometimes you'd be like, God's not telling you to do that. That's just you you're seeing that or you're imagining that or they're like, James, God's trying to tell me to tell you this. And, and you knew what they were saying wasn't quite right. And so sometimes when you're busy or when you're doing stuff, it's quite easy just to dismiss something, isn't it? And they would ring us up all, literally all the, all the time, any, any time of the day, day or, or night, the, the, the phone would ring, and, so, and, some, and sometimes, it's, if it's been a really hard, hard day, even though you, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't, sometimes you just go, okay, not again. But it's one time, I had this, not again, and he's like, hi, how are you doing? And I'm like, James, I just feel like God's trying, is just wanting to say something to you. And I was like, and you, you, and you know, you're just like, okay, what is it this time? But in that moment, he was dead right. Amongst all, the, amongst all the other stuff, in that moment, he was dead right. How easy it is just to this, I'm just going to dismiss something. And what that person had and wanted to share was exactly what I needed for that moment and for that time and for that day. Sometimes when God is trying to speak to us, we need to perhaps change our, expecta- our expectations of saying, okay, God, you can only speak to me in this way and change, okay, God, you, can, you created the heavens and you, cre- you created the earth. You can, you can do whatever you want to. You can speak to me however you want to, and it's not that I need to define you. I need to change my view of you. I need to change how I see you, how I listen to you, perhaps, and adapt to you rather than you having to adapt to me. Uh, Because Moses, he's finding himself in a position which he's got no framework for. He's never seen that before. 
I doubt no one else has seen that ever before in history. It's a, it's a one-off event. He's got no framework before it, but yet, in the midst of that encounter, he hears God's voice calling him. And that's one of the key things. If you're in a situ- if you're in a situation whether it's a church service and God's moving and we've all come from different situations and circumstances and backgrounds, haven't we? We've all got different luggage that we have carried. Some of us have had good upbringings. Some of us have had bad upbringings. Some of us have been abusive upbringings. Some of us have been in abusive relationships. Some of us have had good relationships. Some of us had dads. Some of us haven't had dads. Some of us got mums. Some of us haven't had mums. Some have been orphaned. You, you, you name it. We, we know this. Everyone here has walked your own journey and no one else has walked that journey. You have walked that journey. You've got baggage, I've got baggage, we've all got baggage. And God is so gracious that he moves in the, in the services, whether it's in worship or wherever, it's in your quiet time, he moves and different things happen or he touches their nerve because he, he's just like, I just need to deal with that. And so sometimes people react to the Holy, to the Holy Spirit Different, differently, but when it's God, he always validates himself. He always makes it clear, I'm doing this. And if you're ever not too sure, if you find yourself in a situation, and I do, I do, I do, this, all, I do this all the time, um, if I find myself in a situation and I was like, God, I just don't know. You ever find yourself that? And it's like, it's got hints of God, but there's an edit that something's about that situation is not quite right. And so my default is now to say, God, if that's you, would you increase it? But if that's not you, would you shut it down? If it's you, would you bless it? Would you increase it? Would you reveal yourself? Would you reveal how you're working? Or would you provide safety for whatever's going on? But also would your glory, if it's distracting, if it's not of you, if it's being, you know, would you just shut it down? Nine times, out of t- nine times out of ten, when I said, God, if that's not you, would you shut that down? Within about a minute or two, whatever's happening has stopped. And he's like, okay, God, I'm, sort of, I'm, I'm, sort of, I'm trying to gauge, I'm trying to get, gauge. And sometimes, even if it's a quick, simple, God, I want to know, is, I'm trying to, dis, I'm, on my journey, I don't want to dismiss what you might be doing, but I don't want to say, because I don't recognize it, it's not in my framework, I don't want to totally say, that's not God, so help me, would you help me discern in this moment, is this you, is this not you? If it's you, would you bless it? Would we see glory from it? Would we see a transformed life? Would we see the situation turn around? Would, people, would that person be perhaps de- delivered or healed or whatever? But if that's some, someone just wanting, I don't know, want a better, for, want a better, for want of a better expression, and forgive me, if someone's wanting attention or someone's just trying to draw, you know, make a scene or something, it's trying to distract, would you just shut that down? 
And he'll guide you. He'll, he'll, sh- he'll show you because when he speaks and when he moves, he always reveals himself. He's not revealing anything else. Wherever that's in, in, what, in whatever situation, circumstance, he reveals himself. And whatever he reveals himself, he brings life. Where it's healing, where it's, where it is possibly a little bit of deliverance, where it is a bit of someone's just weeping and crying and bawling because there's been so much hurt built up inside of them, and it's being pushed down so much, and the Holy Spirit comes, and sometimes someone just cries, it just cries out, and all that hurt and pain just cries out, and everyone's going, "Okay, what's that?" And it's God, perhaps gently, just saying, "Do you know what? I'm just giving you a little bit of healing." And that's okay. But I just want to encourage you that to learn to hear God's voice outside of this setting, just because Sundays are great, and I'm not dismissing what we do, I'm not dismissing what I do, but this won't sustain you. You need to know God's voice and his presence outside of a Sunday. You need to know what his voice sounds at. We're joking with someone before the service. You need to know what God's voice is on a Monday morning when you're driving to work and someone cuts you up. When Tuesday hits, and Tuesday's just a weird day, isn't it? It's like, it's not the middle of the week, it's not the end of the week, it's just this day and... You're longing for the end of the week because you're longing for the weekend. And then Wednesday, you've got a little bit of hope because, you know, Thursday and Friday is coming. And so it picks up a bit. And then Thursday hits and you think, one more day to the weekend. And the Friday hits and you're just like, you all know what I'm talking about. about. But it's in those moments where you need to know what God sounds like. Because you just never know the conversation that you're having with someone. God just drops something into you and says, I just need you to say that to someone. In your quiet time, sometimes you need to hear God's voice simply say in those quiet times, I'm with you, you can do this. And I'll give you the strength to carry on with the rest of Tuesday. Because the Sundays are great. And we've all been there and we've all done this. But it only takes someone to go into the car park and you're already angry. <laughs> Why have they parked like that? Why have they moved their car? I can't get out. I would joke about it, but it's true, is it? It's true, isn't it? Because I just want to be real. You need to le- learn to distinguish in your quiet times God's voice. Whether it's him shouting or whether it's him whispering. Allow him to build a framework because in this setting with Moses, he's there and hello, and uh, 
sorry, it's my sense of humor. I, I, I apologize. It's when Moses is there and you have fire, and you know fire, we all know fire. It's really nice when you've got a cup of hot chocolate, you've got some marshmallow in it, it's a, it's, a nice, it's a nice evening, and you get your chairs and you're moving close to the fire to stay warm and you're sharing times. But you also know that fire is dangerous and you keep away, and so you have this drawing close, but you're cautious about it as well. God welcomes you to him, but he's still, he's still himself. Moses de- defines himself as I am in a small I and am, but we know in this conversation with Moses, and he says, no, if I, if I go, how are they going to believe me? And God simply says to him, Say, I am. I am who I am. And you can translate that with, as well as, I be who I be. I am who I am. I be who I be. He's not going to change for anyone. He's good to, he defines himself. And so when we listen to God's voice, we're saying, God... What do you want to do in this moment? What do you want to speak into in this, in, in this moment? And for Moses, he's saying, I want you to go to Pharaoh and I'm going to be your voice. I'm going to tell you exactly what to say to, the, say to Pharaoh. And part of me knows exactly how um, Moses is. And he's just like, I'm not eloquent. You know, I get my words mixed up and all, and all of this. However, he's in a conversation with I am. And, we def- and he defines himself by I am only in this. Do you know who I am? I, I, can't, I can't speak very well. I, I stutter. I'm not eloquent. You know, just get someone else. And God's saying, you don't. I don't need anyone else. I just need you. And sometimes God calls us stuff and says, you know, I just want you to go do this and I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. And we're just like, I don't get someone else. You know, that, that's, that's great. And, but just get, 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 someone, get someone else to do it because I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I've got the courage to do that. Because we try and define what God has called us to do by the gifts and abilities that we and how we see ourselves and how we define ourselves and our limitations, but God doesn't see that. I haven't got it there, but Acts in Acts seventeen, it, Paul describes and he says, God has created us. For our set period times, and he's put limitations on it, and so and it's for his glory. And you have this imagery of you are created, and God knew that you were going to be at this point of time in history, sitting in Glasgow, Elim, at this at this time of day. You are created for this time. Before he said, "Let there be," 
He spoke, I, I want you to go do this. I want you to go to do that. I'm going to give that person this gift, this ability. I'm going to give them this character because I need them to go do something that's so unique for them, no one else can do it. And he does that for every single person in this room, including myself. And you think, how is that? Really? We're so used to hearing the enemy's voice. And we're so used to hearing our voice. That overrides truth. And so people, including myself sometimes, have been more happy, more happily believing a lie than believing what God has spoken over and we wonder why there's got to be something more than this. And we've all been guilty of it, and we've been in the worship, so we've been in the worship services, and we've, we've been praying, God, here am I, send I, yeah, I'm here, I'm here, here. And he says, okay, fantastic, I want you to go this. He says, yeah, can you do someone else, please? I can't do that. I want their gift, I want their, I want, I want their gift, I want their ability. I want to be able to do that, I want to be able to do that. And, and we try and look and say, God, God's saying, why are you coveting everyone else, else's? I've given you something that you, only you can do, that you'll find so fulfilling, you'll find so much enjoyment, you'll leave you in awe and wonder, and you'll be blown, blown away beyond your wildest dreams of what I've got in store for you. Would you just simply trust me that I've got you? Because he's spoken that over you. And in doing so, and when you do it, it'll bring glory and honor back to God. It'll give you fulfillment. It'll give you enjoyment. But also, it spreads God's kingdom. It gives him honor. It gives him glory. It'll set other people's, it'll set other people's lives free and advances his kingdom. Moses bottles it. He does it, but he bottles it and says, no, I can't do it. Aaron comes along. And we've all, seen the, you know, we've all seen the Prince of Egypt and things like that, and, and we see Moses standing there to Pharaoh, when actually he's not. God is speaking to Moses, and then Moses speaks to Aaron, and he goes with Aaron into, the, into Pharaoh's, into the palace, and Aaron is speaking to the king. And God is gracious because Aaron, he sets up Aaron as, a, as, the, priest, as the priesthood, for, and that's, that's, that's established. However, we all know what happens to Aaron. Moses goes up a hill, he's building a calf. And as much as Aaron is helping Moses and build, building stuff, you almost, you almost see us in, there's that, unfortunately, his sons pass away because they don't offer offerings correctly on the altar. And some of that, some of that story is, is, like, is like tragic. But I wonder if it would have been different if Moses simply said, I would have gone. And he even shows Moses, doesn't he? He's like, don't worry, I've got this. Throw your, throw your staff down. Turns into a snake. Put your hand, put your hand, 
in, in your cloak comes out, leprosy, puts it back in, healed. He says, look, if I can do this, I can do what I can say. I can, if I can do that, whatever I say to you, to, to go tell Pharaoh, I'll be able to accomplish it, and it's going to be okay because I've got you, because I can do that. If I can do that, which is totally outside of his framework as well, and totally outside my framework, I don't know about you, but I'll be a bit freaked out. Do that. But if we put ourselves in a situa- situation, but God, he declares it by himself. If you go to Hebrews, Hebrews 6, And it says, for when, God ma- for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having, ple- having patiently waited, obtained the promise for people to swear by something greater than themselves. In all their disputes and oath is final for confirmation. So when God desire to show more convincingly to the the heirs of the promise, the unchanging character of his purpose. He guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where God, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order. He declares it by himself. I've got you. You can do this. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to run away. Nothing's going to defeat me. And he says, nothing can overcome me. Even in one, even in, you know, beginning of one, one John, it says, the darkness hasn't, over, hasn't overcome it. And overcome, that's not a passive thing. That's an aggressive thing. The darkness tries to seize light. It's almost like this, this battle is kind of doing everything it can. And it's like the darkness can't overcome. Hasn't even got a hope. God says he's got you. Whatever he speaks is truth. Whatever he declares is truth. And even we see with Jesus, he... Later on, he, he walks into a synagogue and this guy manifests and the demons cry, cry out, have you come here to torment us? It's not our time yet. And he rebukes and casts them out and the guy is healed. He's walking along and the centurion, who cares for his servants so much, as a last resort, goes to Jesus and say, I just need you to say a word. You just need to say one word. And I know it will be done. And Jesus says, I'm amazed by your faith. 
Go and it'll be done as you say. And his servant was healed. The woman, this woman, her, her boy's died. And she runs to Jesus and says, my son has died. And he goes with her and says, he hasn't died. And he says, boy, arise. And he comes back to life. Lazarus, come out, Lazarus. He brings life. He's sitting with a bunch of people who should know better. And in their righteous indignation, this woman comes in and they're scoffing at her and they're taking the mick out of her and she's there. And she's so distraught that she's wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. And everyone's on looking and looking down and saying, that's disgusting, why are you, do- why are you doing that? Why are you even letting her do that? And he turns around to her and says, your sins are forgiven. He simply says, your sins are forgiven. A guy who's paralyzed gets lowered through, his mate's lowering through a roof. And the same thing happens. The thousands and are there and they're, they're taking the mickey and he says, like, what's easier, what's easier to tend to get up and walk or tend to that, tend that his sins are forgiven? They don't answer, so he says, get up and walk. All he has to do is speak. He brings life transformation. He'll transform your life. And we know the big I am's in, in John. And if you go to John, uh, John 6, we're not going to do, how are we doing? John 6, we're not going to do all of it, but from verse 35, he goes, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall, not, shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet not believe it, that all the Father gives, gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Are you hearing that this morning? Everyone who goes to him and believes in him, he will never cast out. Do not let the enemy say that you're not saved. If you believe in Jesus Christ, that he died, he rose again, asked him to, and you've asked him to forgive you, you are saved. Guaranteed. Jesus says this himself, he'll never cast you away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should, I sh- that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day, for this is the day, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him, them up on the last day. He, it's not he might or he'll think about it, he'll think, you know, it's not like Santa, have you been good this year? Okay, no. He will. He will do that. 
when he says to them, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, never will I abandon you as orphans. He will never leave you. He is always present. That's a promise. When he says, son, daughter, you are forgiven, you are forgiven. When he says, you have been set free, and he speaks that over you, you have been set free, you are his. When he calls you his heirs, you are his heirs. Not because we've earned it, but it's all because it's a gift. You're his son, you're his daughter. He calls you holy, he calls you righteousness. He calls you his beloved, he calls you his redeemed. He calls you his royal priesthood, he calls you a holy nation. And the list goes on. He declares all of that because he wants you to be set free. He wants you to know that. Because once you realize the truth, and the enemy does this, the enemy will bring the condemnation, he'll bring the lies. And if you haven't heard or don't believe what God has spoken over you and you don't believe that to be true, am I really forgiven? Am I really forgiven for that? And for me, I get this on a daily basis. Where I'll be doing something and minding my own business, doing something, and a thought or a memory would pop up with something that I've done growing up. And I'll be like, I really did that, didn't I? And inside, I'll be like, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I acted like that. And I used to, for ages growing up, just, um, just, dwell, just dwell on it and say, okay, and, it, and all of a sudden it just can't build, build up. But what I've learned to do, do now, as soon as those thoughts come in, into my mind, even though I know that I'm, I've asked for forgiveness for that, and I know I'm forgiven for that, I have this built-in routine to make sure I know this and when those thoughts come and the enemy goes, oh, no, you said this, I say, God, I did that. I know you've forgiven me. Would you help me forgive myself? Would you bring healing to that person? Enemy, you have no hold over me. And you forget about it. And, not, and a lot of the time I say, God, would you just remove that memory from my mind? It feels like I've forgotten a lot of my childhood. <laughs> that stuff, stuff, but anything, I can't remember that memory. I can't remember that memory. But he does that. He brings healing. He brings peace. Because you have to bring what the enemy brings and what we say about ourselves, you have to bring it into light. You can only know if it's true or not if you bring it to light and you bring it before God and say, God, is this true? If this is true of what you say of me, I can walk in and be set free. If God, if what the enemy has said is true, would you help, would you forgive me? Would I know once and for all that my hands are clean? Would you forgive me? I accept the responsibility, forgive me, set me free, and may I walk in that no longer? 
The Holy Spirit will bring conviction, but he will always bring a way for forgiveness and restoration. He doesn't leave you in condemnation. If you're living a life that's totally feeling condi- total condemnation, I'm just a waste of space. I'm just lazy. I, you know, my, what my parents said about me, it must, it must be true. I always make up mistakes. I'm always mucking up. If all that you're doing is speaking negative over you, you're not walking in what God has spoken over you. And sometimes we go through stuff and we feel like, I just can't carry the load and I can't get rid of what I'm going through is because we listen to the enemy so much that it almost feels like a cage, doesn't it? How I can't get out of this, I can't get out of this. That's because sometimes we don't bring it to God and say, God, what are you saying over this? What does your, when you speak through the Bible, what does your word say over this? And a lot of the time when we're wrestling with stuff, it can be the fact that actually, although the enemy has put pressure on and it, it feels like there's a lot of pressure, actually, the enemy can't do anything to you. Yes, you might have to say, God, I need help to get through, through this. But ultimately, the enemy has no power over you. You're free. You can walk away. Yes, we might have the emotions of, okay, this feels tough and I can't walk, I can't walk, I can't get out of it. It's simply saying, just let yourself out of the cage. Some stuff, God has set us free, but we're still holding on to the ropes because we can't let that go. Because Sometimes it takes time for us to step into truth and to realize, actually, I'm not a waste of space. I am wonderfully created. You all know with my dyslexic, I find it really frustrating, my dyslexic. People are always going, James, you said that wrong. J- James, you spelt that, spelt that wrong. James, you said this, but actually it's, it's really this. And people just like, nit, 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 nit. It feels like people are constantly nitpicking. Even though they know what you mean, it's just constant nitpicking. Do you feel like some people just like constant nitpicking? And even though it's like, I know what I meant, but can you just give me some grace? And it gets frustrating. And it can, and it can, and it can weigh, weigh, weigh down. It's like, God, why do I even bother? Why do I even bother? Do you know what God said to me? He said, James, I'm not taking away. And he said, James, it's going to protect you. I said, I let you into the conversation. I said, how can my dyslexic protect me? And he said, it's because it's concepts. And I was like, I know that. And it dawned on me. And over the years, I I realized that because of my dyslexic, it's a little bit of a def- defense and it protects me because I 
the amount of people that have insulted me to my face and said things to me in, in my presence. But because it's been a concept, it's almost like God's used it as a, a shutter, a close. So I just carry on the conversation as normal. And in doing so, it might be a, you know, a few hours later, I'll be like, they said what? It's like it dawns on you. But in that, but in that moment, it's like, okay, God, can't help me forget him. But in, in, but in those moments, it's almost like, God, I'm just, I'm just protecting James. Because I want you to, as best you can, treat people and see people not, and not rise up to the bait. And so on a daily basis, uh, when you're trying to write words and you're, and you're having a fight with Grammarly because Grammarly says it's spelled one word, one way, and it's like, it's not, it's spelled this way. You know, and, and auto-correcting is like, no, it's spelled this way, it's like, wrong, and you've got all these red lines over the page. I go back to God, I know you're protecting me. I know I want this gone, but I know you want me to have this to bring glory to yourself. God, would you help me be patient with myself, with others? And in that moment, even though the frustration is still there sometimes, and God goes, really? We've had this conversation. Tickles my sense of humor. He's like, really? I was like, okay. It goes back to, I know he's got me. I know that if I didn't have what I have, perhaps my ego wouldn't be, where'd my ego be? Oh yes, look at this, I can do this, 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 when actually I'm just like, actually God, it's all you. I wonder what you're struggling with, I wonder what God wants to speak into that. It might not be the same as he did for me. But in that moment where there's frustration, it feels like you're a prisoner and you're held and you can't escape. All he has to do is say one word and gives you a key and you're not a prisoner anymore. Some of us, he might say, I want you to forgive. You've been carrying that around for too long. Just let go. For some of you, you might be speaking over you saying, I've created you, and I love you. You're not a waste of space. You're not a mistake. Some of you, you might simply be saying, well done, keep going. Don't stop. For others of us, you might be saying, stop running. I wonder, what is, what is he speaking over you?
what he's trying to communicate. In Matthew, this is the last point, I promise. In Matthew 5, just because it's quicker, use my notes just because it's quicker. Jesus says this. In verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you're poor in spirit today, if you're struggling, he's saying you are blessed because he sees you, he hears you, and even if you don't realize it, the Holy Spirit is bringing the whole of the heaven's resources to help you get through. And when you realize you're poor in spirit, it's like, God, I just need you. Sometimes you mourn. I can't believe I did that. You, perhaps you mourn for loss, for regret. Some of it, for some people, it might be a journey of saying, God, I just need to ask for forgiveness and come to you. And you get saved and you start the journey. For some, it might be you've lost someone. You're mourning the fact that Perhaps your health isn't quite good and you've mourning, you've, you're mourning years spent in illness. And you're saying, you know, blessed are those who mourn. He is with you when you're mourning. You're blessed because he is with you every single step of the way that you go through. You're mourning through your grief, through your trials, through your pain, through your tribulation. In whatever, whatever way you're, you're mourning. You are blessed because he is with you. It doesn't take the pain away. It doesn't take that away. It doesn't lower that. But he says you are blessed because he is helping you, giving the, he's giving you the strength to face each and every single day. You are not alone. Blessed are those who are meek. Meek isn't a coward. Meekness is... Being a mighty, strong warrior, but deciding to keep your sword in its sheath beside you and not using it. Even though you can destroy the person coming away, even though they're wrong and you know you're right, you choose grace over destruction. You withhold your strength because you want to bring the kingdom about. You want to see transformation. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed who are not seeking vengeance. They're saying, God, vengeance is yours. I'm going to show mercy and kindness. Blessed are those because God will vindicate you. God will be with you. Because when you're meek, you hunger for first, hunger and thirst for righteousness. And God will certainly bless you and say, that's my will. That's what I want. Follow me, be transformed. My word transforms you. My words, what I speak to you, will change life, will, will bring life, will bring a fresh breath of life into you. And because you know where God has brought you from and you've seen your past, but you see where you're going, you, become, you begin to be merciful to people. 
because you walked that journey, you understand them. If we don't show mercy to people, we don't understand really that we're saved. And I say that in the sense of you've all been saved, I've all been saved, we've all been forgiven. We need to be merciful because God is merciful to us. And when you're merciful, there's a transformation in being pure in heart. And when you see and you start bringing mercy into situations and you start bringing a pure in heart, how can we resolve this for God's glory, for his kingdom? You start being a peacemaker because you want to see his glory and kingdom come. Blessed are those who are persecuted, for when you want to see God's kingdom come, and you stand up for what's right, and you start speaking truth over people, start showing mercy, and people and the, and the judgmental people come, and they speak negative words, and over this persecution will come your way, because people won't like it, because people want to keep other people down, keep control over people, but you'll see people in God's eyes, and you want to show and show the love that God has given to you, and the mercy that God has given you, and the forgiveness that God has given to you, and you start seeing God's eyes, when you start seeing God's eyes, and you start being peacemakers, and you start wanting to say, okay, God, your kingdom come, I'm just going, whatever, come, whatever comes your way, I'm going to follow you, no matter what, I'm going to do whatever you say, no matter what, persecution will come your way, but when persecution comes your way, blessed are you, because God is with you every single step of the way. No matter what you're going through, no matter what situation you're going through, God speaks over you and says, you are blessed because you have him.